Welcome to the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast, showcasing the amazing individuals we have in our region. Hello, welcome to the very first episode of the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast. Um, I've got with me a very special guest today. I've got Jill Laidler, who is the group editor and founding partner of both Topic UK and Yorkshire Businesswoman. Hello, Jill. Hello, Michelle. You were kind of a reluctant guest, weren't you? Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) So What I've learned about you, Jules, in this short time that I've known you is that um, you're great at doing stuff in the background, but you don't like the spotlight, do you? No, not at all. And I've just um, tried to get you to take a photograph with me, much to uh, your disgust. (laughs) You did. (laughs) Yeah, we've got one of a fashion. Um, (laughs) I I feel that we should really talk about... um, kind of how we got talking about the um about doing a podcast and originally the discussion was that um Mandy and I were gonna um do the podcast host the podcast together and we were gonna have guests on and sadly Mandy passed away in December so we've had to rethink our plans and um what I think we've got to now is a point where I'm gonna host a few episodes and if any of the other Yorkshire businesswomen members would like to host then I can show them the ropes and they can have a go themselves and I know we've got a couple of podcast hosts within the group anyway who I'm sure that will kind of jump at the chance um so here we are it's the first episode I should probably say that I'm Michelle Cowan because I've not introduced myself and also (laughs) it's Valentine's Day it is it is so um so yeah so we're feeling the love today um we're going to use this podcast as a as a kind of a way for the Yorkshire businesswomen members to kind of talk about their own kind of career or business journeys and just have an opportunity to do something different because not everybody will have been on a podcast. And um, so we're opening it up to all members. And if anybody's listening that wants to have either go at being a host or actually come on as a guest, then um, please just get in contact. We're going to have a bit of a Yorkshire twist at the end. Um, I've been Googling you, Jill. So I found all sorts of stuff, Mm. including that you admire Jamie Oliver and that you also interviewed Jimmy Choo. I did. I did interview Jimmy Choo. I was just talking about him the other day. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... Make some shoots for me. Very impressive. <laughs> so so we'll get on to that. So when I looked at your LinkedIn profile, I was like, okay, I'll have a, a scout around. Are you actually from Wakefield? Because it says on there you're from Wakefield, but I didn't know if you were Wakefield born and bred. No, Leeds. Came from Leeds originally. Um, and moved to Wakefield uh, 30 plus years ago. And what do you prefer, Leeds or Wakefield? I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, they both have they both have you know quality things. The both, but but yeah, I'm I'm a Leeds lass really. But yeah, yeah Wakefield's got its uh, got its things going for it as well, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I'm Huddersfield, but I I still like both Leeds and Wakefield. I think they're great places. Yeah. Um, you also started life out in marketing before you moved into journalism. So, talk us through that. What. Did you, when you left school, did you think I'm going to do marketing or did you think that you were going to go into another field? No, no. My school, my education wasn't that brilliant. Um, the school wasn't that brilliant. Um, and, and basically, believe it or not, we were told 
the girls were told either get a job in an office and you might be a secretary. Um, if not, you know, you may end up getting a, a shop job. Um, and if not, then you might end up in a factory. But then that's okay because you'll end up having babies and giving up anyway. Careers. Yeah. That was my career's teacher all of five minutes. And, and each girl that went in came out and said the same. That, that was it. So I started um, as a junior um, in a in a in a, um, a manufacturing company and within six months I was a junior secretary in the marketing department and it was just something that fit I didn't even know what marketing was when I went there um, but it just fit it, it, I just understood the whole concept of it from day one um, and so after a year or two I went to work for an advertising agency and it sort of all stemmed from there just going back to that school thing, did you have to do typing classes at school? Yes. Yeah, we had to. Yeah. With, with oh, our, um, the boys didn't have to. No, no, the boys didn't have to. Um, and you used to have the little, um, is this showing my age now, the, the manual typewriters. And they used to put little caps over the keys so you couldn't see them. And if you tried to lift them up to peep under them, she used to hit you over the knuckles with a ruler. <laughs> I'm laughing because we had that as well. We didn't get hit though. <laughs> well, she did. She'd, she'd slap you with a ruler over your knuckles. Stop looking. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it was good because it taught us to to touch type, something that I can do now. Um, you know, and, and many years later, I was told I could do 60, 70 words a minute. Yeah, was... me too. And, you know, at the time, I always used to think it were unfair that all the girls had to go and do this typing thing. But... But actually, touch typing is a great skill. It's it is, and most men can't do it. Yeah, yeah, you no, know, because they didn't have to learn like we did. Yeah, I'm rubbish at woodwork though, because we weren't allowed to do woodwork. Do you know? I I had to make a wooden pencil box. Remember the pencil boxes? Yeah. And and after four years on the same pencil box, I still made it, and the top wouldn't slide in because it wasn't square. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have kept it. So I had it for years. Maybe that's where all the creativity stemmed from. Um, I, so ad agency, we, did you go in as an account manager or were you doing marketing within ad, no, ad agency? I went in as assistant to the owner. There were two partners in the firm and, uh, and I went in as, as an assistant, well, assistant initially to both of them. And then there was a girl starting at the same time who was the receptionist. But there was a lot of work, so they let her work for more of the junior partner and I worked for the owner um and and within about when I was 20 by then and he made his money he made his million pounds went off and bought himself a villa in Spain and he just used to ring me up and say um I'm, I'm gonna go to the villa can you look after things while I'm away and I would say well yeah so he'd go off for a week and of course there were no mobile phones no nothing like that back then so I wouldn't hear anything he'd, he'd give me his house keys ask me to water the plants and feed the dog um, and left me with the agency and he'd ring after a week uh, from a payphone in Spain and say is everything okay yeah it's fine good because we're staying another week so by the time I was 20 there were 10 of us and I was looking after the agency and and you know it was small so it was great because you learn so much you learn how to do the copy you learn how to run a business um, and then his wife became ill she looked after all the accounts and things and he said will you take on and look after the accounts? And I said, I have no idea how to do any of that. So he uh, sent me a couple of doors down the road to his accountant and I had to sit and learn how to do 
sales and purchase ledger and VAT and wages and, and so on. Um, and so I did all that as well. And, and at the time, it was hard. But, but looking back now, you learn so many skills. So much later, when you come to run a business, you've got them all, haven't you? You don't actually learn any of that in a large corporate. I mean, I worked two, for two very large corporates and you very much in your lane. You don't come out of it because there's somebody else that does that job. Exactly. But, you know, like now having my own company, I'm boss of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and what I didn't know, I've had to learn. Yeah. And I've worked for a couple of large companies and I didn't last two minutes because I remember in one of them that the, I had nothing to do. And there was a girl who was working till eight, nine o'clock every night because she was swamped. And I said, can I help her? And they said, no, it's not your department. And I said, I know, but I can help her. It's, she's, it's not difficult what she needs to be done. And I just she, she'll be able to go home at a normal time. And I've got nothing to do on board, but they wouldn't let me help her. So it was just ridiculous how it, you know, it panned out. So um, so small companies were much better for me because I was just used to getting my sleeves rolled up, getting stuck in on everything, and it worked. And so you were in your 20s. When did you make that move from marketing to journalism? Uh, much later. I left there. What did I do? I left there, and I went to work for – well, I had my daughter – so I decided to take 18 months out and then I didn't have a job because uh, I gave that up. So I worked then for a building society for a couple of days a week, just something part-time to, to keep me out of mischief and hated it. But again, another skill, learned another skill. And the manager was retiring and she wanted me to go on the management training course and, and so be a branch manager and I couldn't have thought of anything worse. So I left that. Um, and then there was a job came up um, in another agency. And so I went to work for them. And one of their specialist things was um, to uh, provide to, to do staff magazines for people. So I suppose that's where it came from. So we worked for companies such as Morrison's and Coca-Cola and Empire Stores and all the big companies, Sports Council. And we did staff magazines so it was all the staff news and what you know what they were getting up to, um, and I did a design course, um, and so that that was my job. Then I would go into somewhere like Morrison's, interview the staff, see what they're all getting up to, interview the management. So one day you could be on the shop floor talking to checkout staff, and the next day Ken Morrison himself, and then I would go back write the stories design the pages and produce the magazine so the whole thing I did from start to finish um and and so that's where that came from I did that for 10 years and then is that what led you to come up with the idea for topic which was your first magazine wasn't it mm, no um I left there and I wanted to see what it was like to work for clients so I went to work as marketing manager for Harrison Beds and I was a marketing manager for about four years um, and learned the client side and, and design brochures and, and things like that. And then um, I went to work for myself um, and, and it, uh, that's when my business partner and I got together. Um, Rob and I had been at school together um, and uh, we got in touch through Facebook sort of, you know, how are you, where are you now and, and so on. Rob was doing something similar to me. Um, and so we decided to pull resources and do it together. 
Um, and initially we were graphic design and marketing, doing brochures and you know PR and things like that for people. And the magazine topic came about where a lot of the clients that we were working for at the time were quite small. And they said they didn't have a platform to be able to talk about um, who they are, what they did. They couldn't afford things like the Yorkshire Post. They didn't have much much money and said, can you help us? So with Rob been into in design, he was, you know, more than capable of putting magazines together. Um, and my background in the writing of them, um, we said, well, yeah, if you if you want to support it and help it and, and so on, we'll create something for you. And Topic came out in 2013 and was initially for the Wakefield District only because that was where the clients was. Um, and it grew then quickly a year on. Kirkley's Coldale businesses came to us and said, bring it here. Then we went to Barnsley, South Yorkshire. Then we went to London. We did one down in Soho. Um, then we took it to Leeds. And then we decided this is silly. There's, there's just too much going on. So we decided to amalgamate them all just into one Yorkshire-wide one. So that's how that came about. And we did that about two years ago. And I think it's a it's certainly a magazine that most a lot of people recognise. I mean, I know myself, I, I didn't even know you a year ago. I I, I didn't know Mandy until two years ago. Mm. And but a new topic. Mm. Yeah, and, and it was a magazine that was kind of familiar to me and you'd see it around in kind of mm. office space or yeah. The hairdressers might have a copy. I don't know, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, to to that's quite a long time for a magazine, isn't it? It is to say that it was never really planned as such, um, but it became different to what was out there. One, um, we were affordable. You know, a lot of the others are just so expensive. But we we came up with a different concept. What we didn't want to do was say to people, right, you know, give us give us your advert this week. We'll charge you for it. And then we'll see you next time and we'll ring you up for your advert again. We didn't want to do that. We wanted, because of the PR and marketing background, we wanted to help the businesses. So it, it was a case of we, we, we formed a partnership with them. So... Instead of saying we, you know, selling advertising space, we said we we sold partnerships, and we said to people, you know, we've got a website. You'll go on there. We'll help you. We'll recommend you. So it wasn't, and and still isn't, just about putting an advert in, and and we'll say see you next time. We we've, I mean, we've got partners with us that have been with us from day one, mm. um, and we still work with them and help them and look after them to the point where if they're a small company and they haven't got any marketing and PR, we'll do it for them, we'll help them, and same with social media. If it's a big company and they've got a staff shortage, people off at holidays or anything like that, we can be a bit of a fallback. Mm. You know, we can help them because of and, – and when Mandy joined us, it was a double benefit because Mandy's, uh, you know, part, uh, you know um, uh, experience in marketing as well. It worked out very well because one of us could always do that. Um, Rob's always taken care of the design. So even if simple things like if they wanted a meme for social media or something like that, Rob could do that for them. And it, in that partnership, they get as much as they ask for, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's one of those things you get out, what you put into it as well. Because they've got to give you content ideas or stories, haven't they, to, yeah. to start working on something. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really, really, really like it. from them for quite some time, if it just kicks any adverts, we'll we'll ring them and say, you must have some more news. What's going on? What can we promote for you? You know, because yeah. it's about helping them. Yeah, I love that. So talk us through your unique working relationship with Rob, because I think it's <laughs> brilliant how you work. And, and me and my partner, business partner, have been discussing it recently because he's in Warrington and I'm in Huddersfield. So talk us through that, because I think it's great. Well, Rob's based in Paris, just outside Paris. And so when we got together, um, it, it, it was like, right, okay, how can we work like this? How can we do it? And, you know, most people would just, I don't know, get in touch with each other now and again and, and see what's going on because we do different roles. But to make it easier and to make it like an office environment, we just work on, on Skype and we have our set hours. So we sign in 8 o'clock in the morning for me because it's 9 in France. Um, and we work through until six in the evening. Um, and it, it's literally just like, you know, it's, it's online now. And it's literally just, it's like sitting next to somebody in the office. You know, we can see each other on screen. We can just speak to each other. It can be quiet while we're both getting on. But then we also screen share. Yeah. So, you know, I share Rob's screen because you know, he'll be designing or something. And and because I'm the person here that deals with the businesses here, it's generally Rob asking me questions of who's this, what do they want? So if we've got the screen on, um, I can see, and it's just like, it's like sitting next to somebody in the office and glancing at their screen and, and, and talking to them and it just works. Um, and we, you know, have our disagreements like anything else, but you know, generally it works. I can see that kind of thing working for kind of sole traders or self-employed people, you know, that are sat at home working all day. If they had like a buddy that they could work with, you know, on screen just to maybe keep them company. Maybe that's kind of something that might come out after COVID, obviously. I mean, you obviously work like that anyway. Yeah, didn't affect us in that way at all. And, and all this... You know, people talking about Zooms and Teams and, well, it's just the same as Skype. We've we've always done that. So it never really affected us anyway. Um, and I just think it, it's a good way of working. You know, it's it's I don't see I don't see it's any different to being in an office with somebody. We'd not choice anyway. You know, Rob's in France and it comes over from time to time. You know, if we've got events on and we've had launches and things, he always comes over. Um, so he does exist. People do see him from time to time. Uh, I get to meet him. Did you meet him at Christmas when he came? I didn't. I didn't make the Christmas uh, party. Oh, I didn't come to the Christmas one. He was. He was over for that one. Um, and uh, and so yeah, he tries to get over. He'll probably come for Royal Ascot Day and so on. Um, so if there's anything worth coming over for, we might meet the mystery Rob one might day. Meet then the mystery Rob one so- day. Yeah. How we met through Yorkshire Businesswoman because Mandy roped me in and I joined up and and you know I, I absolutely love it. You know I do. I'm a massive advocate for it. How did you come up with that idea? Because you've clearly hit on something that is clearly missing in our region because oh, yeah. of yeah. the response you've had. I mean, the events are so well attended. It's it's a nice environment. It's a great afternoon out. You know, how did you sort of come up with that idea? Well, years ago, um, I used to subscribe to something called, I think from memory, it was called The Businesswoman. And it was a, a, a magazine, not probably half the thickness of ours, probably half the pagination. 
And it was it was good. It came out of London, so it was quite general. But it was good. And I was sort of fancying myself as a bit of an upcoming businesswoman. And so I thought, you know, and, and they did, you know, uh, articles on, you know, business attire and all this sort of stuff. And we started to, I started to think about that. But then whilst doing topic, we started to get an awful lot of um, really good inspirational stories from people in, in the Yorkshire region you know, women who had set up their own businesses, some had failed, some had started it again, um, some had gone on to be multi-million pounds and there was all sorts of stuff coming through. So we said, well, what we'll do is we'll create a section within Topic Magazine and call it Yorkshire Businesswoman. Um, so we did and we quickly went from the planned eight pages, we could have doubled, tripled that even, the stuff that was coming in. So we decided to create a website and put the surplus on there. So we'd, we'd cherry pick out all the good ones and put them in the magazine. And then everything else went on to, and, and depending on timing as well, because it's bi-monthly, and everything else went on the website. Then we were asked, well, when's the magazine coming? So we said, right, okay, we weren't thinking of a magazine. We were just thinking we'd leave it on the website. And we were in the middle of the pandemic. So we said, well, okay, we'll, we'll put it together as a digital magazine which is what we did. And we put it online on the magazine, uh, yeah, the magazine online on the, on the website and on uh, something called a platform called issue. So people can go on there and see it and download. Um, and then it, it was again, then, well, when's the print edition coming? Okay. Right. Okay. So, so we decided to print it. Um, the size came about because it's handbag size. It's yeah. slightly smaller than handy, very handy. So it's a nice little size, but it's well, I mean, too small. It's not like a, a little cheap thing that goes through the door. You know, it's a good size, but it's smaller, so it goes in your handbag. Um, and and then it was it, it just made sense to um, to to put some events. It's like right, okay, do you know these women that are coming forward? Why don't we get them to meet up? So um, we have a good relationship with Dakota. They're one of our partners on topic anyway. So we spoke to Dakota and said, "Would you like to host them?" Um, they'd already done some business women events that that they didn't sort of put hundred percent into um, for time more than anything, so they jumped at the chance of of doing them, um, and and really that was it. We we decided on a membership so that people you know could what we didn't want them to do is just turn up ad hoc for events and and what have you. So we thought well if we create a, a membership which they've got now online as well so they can they can as you well know can can meet up um online and do um you know business together online uh, and we wanted people to take ownership themselves of it i don't i don't want to tell people you know we're going to do this and we're going to do that i want people to come forward and say can we do this and can we do that and if it's doable and we've got time to organize things cause we will um and, and it's the same with these podcasts. That's why it's good if they want to come forward, the members, you know, and, and do them themselves, get involved, be interviewed, be an interviewee, do do whichever they want. Because um, I'm a great believer that there's enough business to go around for everybody. And if we all work together, we're much better together, aren't we? Yeah. You know, um, and podcasts are a great medium for promoting these smaller businesses. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you get your chance to tell your story. I've learned loads about you 
already just in this last half hour, Jill. You know, you, you think you're getting to know some somebody and then something else pops up and it's it's just a great way of getting out there. And I think for lots of people, certainly the businesses I speak to, they find it difficult to write their story down and put it out on social media. This is just a great way of getting it out there. It is, because people have asked me to put my story down on paper and said, why don't you do a feature on yourself? But it could be a whole magazine because because I've done so much, because I'm not 20, because I've done so much. Um, you know, even just talking to you now, there are years and years missing you know I went back to university when I was I went to university because I never had an opportunity when I was young you know when I was 40 to do my marketing degree you know I I didn't I only went to three sessions they just threw the papers at me and said do it and and I I qualified at 98% within a few weeks but that was because I'd just done it forever and felt a bit of a fraud because I didn't have a piece of paper that said I could do it um, you know, and the, the tutor was like, why are you here? It's like, because I need a piece of paper that says I can do it because yeah. I'm self-employed and somebody might ask me for that. Um, and so you the, really think that that matters? I don't now because nobody's yeah. ever asked me for that piece of paper and I couldn't even tell you where it is. <laughs> I think my husband probably you know, put it lost and it's gone. <laughs> the reason I ask is, you know, I did a degree at the normal time. I went from sixth form straight to, to university and, and I did my degree and I've had a fabulous career and I don't think anybody's ever asked me ask. for my degree certificate or or what I actually got or what I even studied. Nobody's ever exactly. asked me. And, uh, you know, it comes down to experience. And I think I think I should have learned my lesson many, many years ago when I first ever job in manufacturing and there was and I was a junior secretary and there was one of the part one of the guys uh, one of the senior managers was advertising for a secretary and a girl that I was at school with she'd gone to the north of England high secretarial college and they literally walked the books on their heads and and I said well my friend's looking for a job she'd just come out there at 18 and I said she's looking for a job and uh, I said will you see her in an interview and he said no and I said why not he says because she's got no experience She's she's a, she's a student still, you know. So he said, but you can have the job if you want it. And I said, oh, no, she's she's far posher than me. And she went to North of England High Secretarial College and she can walk with books on her head and I can't. And he said, but you've got two years experience. And I didn't take the job. You know, I was happy as I was in the marketing team. But but I should have learned from that that, you know, it was it was always about the experience. And I think for anybody... Um, you know, I if I was recruiting, I wouldn't care whether anybody's been to university or whatever. For me, it's about common sense. And I think if you've got common sense and you've got experience in small companies, I never said no to anything. You know, yeah. when somebody came on, that's, I want to learn that, this. It that's was, yeah. that growth mindset, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's not saying no. It's like seeing things as this is an opportunity. It's not like the piling. Well, they might be piling a load of work on you, but. But actually, when you're asked to do something that's pushing you out of your comfort zone, it's about taking it on and saying, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. I don't know if I can do it. Of course. And people that I worked with, when when I were asked to do things and stay behind and and do things, I would. Even sometimes I was a bit reluctant. I was going to go out tonight, but well, go all right then. The ones that said, well, how much am I going to get paid to stay behind? And were told nothing. You know, it was like, oh, well, I'm not doing it then. It's like right, go on, I'll do it because because of that experience of being able to turn your hand to most things, you know, um, from from just years of 
of doing it, when you come to be self-employed, you know, you can do most things. And I get really cross with people now who, I mean, I get press releases sent to me, Michelle, that I wouldn't, well, they're like a five-year-old's written them. And they've got mistakes in them. And, you know, when you, you know, when you're in a Word document where they, they're edited on the side, they still send me those with all the rubbish all. And I, just, I put them in the bed. Because I think if you can't be bothered to have some pride in your work and do it properly, and the computer does it for you, it spell checks and everything, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. But the spelling yeah. mistakes in it that they've ignored that are underlying, they aren't even bothered to go back and, and reread and check. I just put them in the bin. Mm. You know, I, I wouldn't have dreamt of, of sending anything out like that. So something completely different tell us about jimmy chu <laughs> jimmy chu i was asked for and i can't remember who i think it might have been kate hardcastle and it was at harvey nichols and we'd um we'd been invited to this event and there were two people for wanting to be interviewed one was jimmy chu and the other one was carol smiley and so we had a a, a lunch in harvey nichols and then I went and sat at a table and was joined by Carol Smiley, who was bringing out a new product for women that never really took off. I think Tenor Lady beat her to it. Um, and then Jimmy Chu. And I was, I, I, you know, I've never even seen a picture of him. I didn't, I didn't really know anything about him. He had his wife with him, who was a tiny little, I don't know, uh, the Thai, is it from Thailand or originally somewhere Asian anyway. And, um, and we we sort of sat and chatted and, you know, he was telling me why I was in the UK and so on. And then he said, um, he looked at my feet and he said, he must have seen my, I don't do shoes. And he, he said, I'll make you some shoes. And I said, I don't want to, sh no, thank you, don't like shoes. And he said, I make you Jimmy Choo Choo's. <laughs> don't want any, don't like shoes. And all the time I'm thinking, make me a handbag. I like handbags, you know, I'll have a handbag. And, um, and and I, I declared the shoes and then uh, and then he was going off to Thailand and he said, I said, oh, what are you going to do in Thailand? And he said, I'm, uh, I'm meeting the king of Thailand. And I said, oh, very nice. And he said, you come too. You can come to Thailand with me. <laughs> He's asking his wife if I can go to Thailand with them. I was like, no, no, I don't want any shoes and I don't want to go to Thailand, thank you. But it was, it was very nice. And he gave me his card in case I ever changed my mind. Um, but I've never contacted him since. Um, I thought about it when my daughter got married and I, I bought a Jimmy Choo handbag and I thought about asking him to make one for me, but I, did, I didn't. I wasn't that cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> but Jimmy Choo's not, but, you know, there's been there's been loads of people like that because we, we get involved with the Grand Theatre. We do reviews with the Grand and, uh, and other theatres, you know, the Playhouse and so on. So we get to interview people that are coming um, and and then we'll go to the performance and do a review and, and so on. A funny story with Mandy, we, we went to the Grand Theatre one day and they always had the red carpet out for press nights. And there was a photographer there, always a, a guy called Aunt, Aunt Roblin. And um, we were, as soon as we got there, Aunt would always say to us, come on, you two, on the red carpet, stand in front of the, you know, whether it was Wicked or whatever it was. And we'd have to stand for our picture taking a night. You know, me, hated it. So I'm sort of sloping off around the back and Mandy's caught off posing magazines. She's sort of in there. And as I was going back inside one of these times, this lady said to me, can I have your autograph? And I said, no, no, I'm not anybody. And she said, 
well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> You're on the red carpet. You have it anyway. And I'm like, oh, no, sorry. I'm not anybody. And I'm scuffing up inside the theatre. Oh, God. Look around. No, Mandy. Oh, where's Mandy gone? Signing autographs. Mandy's signing autographs on the red carpet. And I said, what are you doing, Mandy? She said, well, they asked. And she signed several autographs before she would come back in. She even signed a topic magazine and handed that out. Brilliant. <laughs> I love that story. This is, this is a great point to go into the final part of the podcast where I'm going to ask you three random questions that are related to Yorkshire. So um, the first one is, is... What's your idea of a perfect day out in Yorkshire? Whitby. Whitby, I love Whitby as well. Whitby. Love Whitby. Um, don't like fish and chips very much, so I wouldn't be going for the fish and chips or whatever. But, yeah, just just love Whitby. I love that road from Pickering over to Whitby and the Moors. I could just stay up there all day. just love it. I love the Pennines. I love that yeah. drama of the black clouds rolling in and I just think it's fabulous but Whitby definitely yeah and that drive over is amazing isn't it it's, it's gorgeous um, breathtaking it's and it, in the summer it's lovely you can see for miles and that and again in the evening the winter the black clouds and the, the the drama of it it's just fantastic and especially then when you get closer to Whitby and you can see the abbey if you've got those dark clouds and that mist coming over it's just just fabulous yeah. I would agree with you on that one um What's your favourite shop in Yorkshire? Hmm, I believe it or not, I'm not a shopper. So, let me think. It would have to be a department store, any department store. It would have to be a department store, handbag department. And, and so in Leeds, you've kind of got Harvey Nichols. Well, you've got Harvey Nichols, John Harvey Lewis. Nichols, John Lewis. Is House of Fraser still going? Yes. Yeah. Um, so it depends because because they all do different designers that I like. So if I am lucky enough to have enough cash in the account to be able to go and get myself a handbag, it will depend on what I decide to have as to which one I go to. Um, so, yeah, I like, um, oh, what do they call it? At the top of Victoria Leeds, anthropology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the problem with me and anthropology is I visit my sister in America and anthropology in America is half the price of anthropology here. So I may as well save up and wait until I go to America and buy the things that I want over there. Plus my niece worked for them, so she got a 30% discount. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah. So yeah, handbag departments in the department store. Yeah, okay. And final one, what is your favourite wine bar in Yorkshire? Hmm. I would say it would be East 59th. In, is that is it in Victoria? Is that in Victoria? It's Victoria in the Victoria New Leeds. I don't know whether it's classed as a wine bar. Be more cocktails, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, that's one for me to try because I've never been to it. East 59th is very nice. It's got an outside balcony. Um, it's next door to uh, Isu, oh, yeah. Japanese one. Um, so yeah, I, I I just like the atmosphere in there. And actually, there's some quite nice wine bars in Wakefield now, isn't there? Yeah, it's not a place where I go that often, but in Wakefield, um, 
Yeah, I suppose it would be, I can't remember its name, the one at the end of um, Wood Street. And another lady that owns it, so it's a shame that I can't remember its name. It'll come to me in about 10 minutes. <laughs> it's not Cubana, is it? Cubana, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it would have to be Cubana because I think that's really lovely inside. The yeah, that would, it used to be a bank, didn't it? Barclays. It was the old Barclays Bank. Um, and Barclays have got this really modern one in, Victor, in, in Trinity now. And I always think they should have stayed where they were on the corner there because um, mm. it will be just as big, will the branch? Yeah, I think I think Quabanas and and I know Jenny that owns it. So we've done we've done reviews at Quabanas before, but I've never actually been on the roof. Whenever I've gone, it's been raining, so they've got a roof terrace, which I think is probably the only one in Wakefield, is it? Probably. Mm. Um, and for the for those listeners that are listening to this and don't know about Yorkshire weather, it rains a lot. It rains an awful <laughs> lot, doesn't it? Not yeah. as bad as Manchester, though. No, <laughs> I got to Manchester because my daughter lives in Manchester, and I've got some favourite places in Manchester. Um, you know, like Twenty Stories. That's that's really nice. And yeah, stuff. I love it there. Um, but at least you can go in there in the rain as well because they've got pods as well, haven't they now? Yeah, you can yeah. you can be in. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a fabulous place. It is. It is. So we're we're lucky that we've got both really. And you never know; there might be a topic Yorkshire business someone heading to Manchester. Fabulous. Well, Jill, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being guest number one. There couldn't have been another guest number one. It had to be you. <laughs> so, um, we'll just say again, for anybody that would like to host the podcast, just get in touch with me. And anybody that wants to be a guest, get in touch with me and we'll take it from there. And anybody that wants to join us and be a member, go to the website and sign up because they'll have a ball, won't they? They will. Yeah, they will. Thanks a lot. Very welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast. Brought to you by Topic UK Magazine and Yorkshire Businesswoman Magazine.